I'm well, thank you, man. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Adrian, maybe let's start here. Uh, you know, you guys, uh, uh, this time last year, we heard, you know, uh, were the ones who received the master franchise license. We understand this is a license for 25 years. That empowers you to do what exactly? Well, I hope it allows us to build a sustainable business that will be here for the long term <laughs> across those 25 years. That would be the, the first agenda. But, you know, it gives us the platform as, as a private company, and I, I just listened to your conversation about public boards and stuff, but as a private company to build and not be pressured on poorly earnings to build a sustainable business that um, matches the ethos and the culture that is Starbucks globally. And that takes time. Um, mm. I think we inherited a business that has, ultimately has good foundations, um, and we, we have an opportunity to take it to the next level. So looking forward to doing that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, your predecessor's taste holdings had all manner of challenges, which I guess, you know, meant they couldn't realize some of their aspirations to grow the store footprint of Starbucks uh, and everything else that comes with it. What are you guys going to be doing differently that uh, I guess would allow this particular brand to uh, take hold and uh, be able to build the sustainable business that you're making reference to? Yeah, so I think in Taste's case, and I, it, 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 each entity has its own challenges, but that was they had less focus than we do. Right? We're a single, single company with a single brand and have one sole focus, and that is growing Starbucks from where it is today um, mm. to a sustainable business for the long term. So we're not distracted. Um, we, have our, we, we don't rely on third-party capital. We're fully funded internally um, by myself and, and, and a group of partners that have come together. So we, we're less dependent on market forces um, than they are, and I think the single focus makes things way different for us. So we're not burdened by a heavy cost structure that a public company would have. And um, I think we're a lot more nimble because we can operate with uh, really uh, owner operators, which I think is a distinction um, for between private and public businesses that for the long term bodes well for a business like this that requires, um, it, it does require some investment. So the J curve here mm. is fairly lengthy um, and we've got to be in the game for a while uh, and we're prepared to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you, you had some very ambitious targets at the start of the year before the lockdown started of uh, the kind of store footprint you wanted by the end of 2020. Talk to us about where some of those plans are. And I guess uh, uh, one would think, yes, the timelines have shifted. Uh, maybe let us in on some of those. Yeah, I don't know. it definitely has. So COVID hurt us tremendously as it has with, with everyone in the industry. So it's primarily slowed things down. So we raised money to put it to work. And it's been sitting idle uh, for a good part of the year. While, uh, while you have to wait for the lockdown to, to, to sort of mm. lift. And so we're nine months ground where we would have been. We, we are absolutely killing ourselves to get these stores open, and the whole team is working so, to, so hard um, to make the eight stores that are pending the next few weeks opening to make it happen. So recruiting, hiring, training, um, securing leases, building, uh, everything that comes with creating eight new stores all within a six-week period is requiring a fair amount of elbow grease to get there. But, but ultimately, we're going to hit our target. So where the rest of the world has been slowing down from a Starbucks franchisee licensee basis, we're actually the one uh, of the few uh, areas or regions that are going to hit our targets for this year. So we will get our eight stores open. Um, and mm. next year, we expect to, to probably double that number. So I think we're going to get it, but it's slowed everything down by nine months, but we'll still be within this calendar and fiscal year. Mm, mm. And, and I mean, just, you know, uh, many people, when they think about, you know, international sort of licensed brands like Starbucks, um, it might have been a no-brainer before COVID-19. In your view, has COVID-19 changed much, I guess, in terms of the kind of offering you need to bring here, which, yes, 
although it's an international brand, uh, one would think has to have some kind of local resonance. Uh, and even where you locate the stores, has that been influenced in any way by COVID-19 uh, uh, in your assessment? Yes, I think maybe two questions there. The, the no-brainer point I, I might take, uh, and many think I will take issue with historically, if you look at mm. what happened with taste. So it, it does require, and you'll see it with many of the foreign brands coming into the country, and I, I think there's a, a mistake where the assumption is that it should work domestically. South Africa is a pretty competitive place. It's been sure. isolated for many for, for many years, and, and the same thing is just geographically isolated. So you've got to be self, self-sufficient, and the competition is strong. So we've got to come in and go, okay, we've got a, a brand that's recognized globally, but can we execute as well as South Africans are? And I say that being, being a South African myself, but the, mm. the mistake by South Africans who are running foreign brands, I believe, has been a little bit of complacency around thinking the brand will sell itself. So sure, that may, sure. I, I couldn't back that up with facts, but that's just my analysis. And on that basis, we have to actually execute as if we were a no brand, a no name brand, mm. right? And now make the, make the business relevant, make it relevant to South Africa, um, make it relevant now in a post COVID environment to, to our customers. And, and what is that? And I think COVID has altered things slightly more in the sense of the, uh, the traffic patterns changing. So office blocks may not be the place to be going forward. But I think ultimately the, the third place that Starbucks provides where you can sit and work um, in an oasis of sorts, I think is a, a good strategic position for ourselves. And then on top of it, you have the digital overlay where with all the, the strength that Starbucks globally comes with, we are able to roll that out and we'll be able to roll that out as we build Scalia to deliver to the South African consumer um, the digital experience that they expect and as they you know, catch up and take over the rest mm. of the world on that front. And I think we, you know, that's what we should deliver on. But ultimately, okay. COVID has changed things, but, but less so than sure. one expects. Okay. Adrian, all the best in that pursuit as uh, you try and roll out those stores and uh, build a sustainable business there. And really appreciate you taking time out to speak to us and uh, all of the best once again. Thank you, Ivan. I appreciate your time. Some stuff that there was Adrian Maisie, chief executive of Rand Capital Coffee. Uh, they're the master licensee for the Starbucks brand here in South Africa. And they're saying they're going to do things but more differently. have got more focus and uh, certainly not linked into the capital markets uh, and uh, having their own uh, a pot of money to uh, put into this particular pursuit. And we certainly will watch it. Only time will tell. We take a brief break now. When we come back, it's our Shop Stewards Corner.